0: How did an Hispanic man from Massachusetts who was raised in a non-Christian home end up being a passionate teacher and preacher of Bible prophecy? And what is the message he is so passionate about? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news, Relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm delighted to have as my guest this week a Bible prophecy teacher and preacher by the name of August Rosado. He's the founder and director of a ministry called Today in Bible Prophecy. August, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. It's good to be here, David. And welcome to Texas. Great to be in God's country. (laughs) Yes, amen. Boy, you know how to respond. I'm also blessed to have my colleague Nathan Jones here to help me interview uh, August. Uh, Nathan, welcome to the program.
1: Well, thanks for having me here.
0: Well, you know, folks, Nathan is our web minister. And notice I said web minister and not web master. Now, he is our web master, but he's much more than that. He's a seminary trained expert on Bible prophecy, and he spends most of his time every day talking with people literally all over the world. Answering their questions about Bible prophecy and defending the fundamentals of the Christian faith. August, I want to get into our discussion with you by reading a scripture. And this scripture is located in uh, 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. And it says, We have the prophetic word made sure. That means we have the prophetic word fulfilled. And it says, you should pay attention to it because it is like a lamp that is shining in a dark place. Now here we have a command from one of the Apostles of Jesus Christ that we should pay attention to Bible prophecy, yes. and yet I think you would agree with me that there is probably no topic in all the Bible that is more ignored in teaching and preaching today than Bible prophecy. Why do you think that is?
2: Well that is correct. Second uh, Peter 1.19 is the goal of our ministry. Uh, Peter says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed. Mm-hmm. Dave, one out of every three passages in the Bible deals with prophecy. One-fourth of our Bible deals with Bible prophecy, so I feel that it's very important to God, and it should be important to us to study. God's prophetic word because it is our blessed hope. Amen. And that's out of Titus chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul says that we ought to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, prophecy is not a, a popular subject in the church today. But you just read 2 Peter 1.19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. So if it's important to God, it should be important to us. Yes, but why do you think it's Amen. so ignored? It's so ignored because it's very controversial. I mean, you have so many different positions when it comes to prophecy today. Uh, Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. Let me give you a case in point. I called a pastor in Rhode Island and asked if I could come and preach on prophecy at his church. I want to talk about the rapture. And he said to me, I appreciate what you're doing, Brother Rosado. He says, but in this church, we will not teach Bible prophecy because our people will get too confused. Uh, I'm not familiar with the subject, even though he told me he had a doctorate of divinity, a PhD, but yet he knew nothing of Bible prophecy. And so he appreciated me going around the uh, country preaching on prophecy but uh, not there in His church. So, that, that's really unfortunate. I think you
0: needed to quote a Scripture to him, Second Timothy 3, verse 16, All Scripture, Amen. all is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's Are we right. going to take one-fourth to one-third of the Bible, put it on the shelf and forget about it? That's what His church is doing. Nathan, and- what do you think about this point about churches ignoring Bible prophecy? Why do you think they do that?
1: Uh, I agree with August. I, I think a lot of them are scared. I mean, they come out of seminaries where they teach you how to build churches and how to increase numbers. They and don't and how teach, to you teach anything about Bible prophecy. They don't teach, yeah. So they have no way to be able to teach it, so they avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. That's why it's great that like, guys like August can come out and they can come and help churches, like our ministry, help churches understand that part of the Bible which they were never trained in.
0: Well, that, I, yeah. you know, I, I find that. Uh, that most preachers are afraid of Bible prophecy, and I find that there's many reasons for that. They do, they are afraid it will cause controversy, mm-hmm. and it can't. I mean if you get a Bible oh, yeah. prophecy teacher who comes in with a chip on his shoulder and his attitude is, I'm going to tell you what the truth is and everybody who disagrees with me is wrong, right. you can start dividing a congregation. But if you just stick with the Word and talk about the Word, after all Bible prophecy focuses on Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. And you're right. going to have people focusing on Jesus. Amen. But i tell you one thing that aggravates me to death is so many Will say to me, Well, you know, David, I, I'm not premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial. I, I'm just a, a panmillennial. Yeah. I think it's all going to pan yes. out in the end. Well, you know what that person's really saying? I have not spent any time studying it, and I'm not going to.
2: And that's unfortunate in our churches today. We just don't want to study God's prophetic word. And that's, you know, there's a blessing to studying Bible prophecy, and that's out of Revelation 1 3. Why
0: is it important to study Bible prophecy?
2: Because there's a blessing involved. That's out of Revelation 1 3. A blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein, for the time is at hand.
0: Only book that specifically promises you a blessing if you'll read it. It's right Mm -hmm.
2: there in the book of (laughs) Revelation. And we're robbing ourselves of a blessing of studying God's prophetic word. Uh, I mean if John said 2,000 years ago that the time is at hand, well Dave, 2,000 years later how close can it be? <laughs> yeah. So he has to be coming soon and very soon. So there is a blessing for those who study prophecy. We ought to be studying prophecy. And it is
1: Jesus' victory, and through Jesus it is our victory too, and that is something to get excited about.
0: Well Nathan, we read the end of the book, we yeah, know who wins. Yeah, we know who wins, Amen. exactly. Plus the promise, yeah. the hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go to church week after week, you have all the stresses of life, and nobody tells you about the hope that you have, about Jesus' coming. He going to straighten this world world out. There's going to be peace, righteousness, and justice. Flood the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean that's hope. That's right out of Isaiah chapter 11 in verse number 9,
2: the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I would have to say pastors are are just as guilty of of robbing their people of the Blessed Hope by failing to teach and preach Bible prophecy. Just last year I preached in Mississippi. And uh, the pastor approached me and he said, Brother Rosado, despite all of my education, he says, you opened my eyes to the prophetic truth of God's Word, wow. and I knew wow. nothing yeah. of what you said despite my seminary training.
0: Now you talked about uh, it being difficult to understand for many people, and, and they shy away from it for that reason. What would you say are some keys to understanding Bible prophecy?
2: I would have to say, Dave, the biggest key is the literal interpretation of God's Word. Even though the book of Revelation uses a lot of symbolism, we need to look for a literal interpretation behind the symbolism. And the reason why we get into so much doctrinal trouble today is because we take the symbolism and we interpret it with more symbolism. And this is where we get into trouble. We need to take God's Word for its plain sense literal meaning. As you say, if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense or you will end up with nonsense.
0: Well, I, I think that's certainly the number one rule for the whole Bible. I'm not just talking about Bible prophecy from beginning to end. Yes. Don't spiritualize it. Uh, take it for its plain sense meaning. And sure, there are symbols, but even symbols have a plain sense meaning yes. behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take it for its plain sense meaning. And one of my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes about Bible prophecy, is from uh, Doctor Morris Henry Morris, who founded the Institute for Creation Research. And in his book, The Revelation Record, which is his commentary on the Book of Revelation, he says. I'm writing this book because people tell me they can't understand the book of Revelation. It's just too difficult to understand. He said, I'm, I've got news for you. It is not difficult to understand. It is difficult to believe. That's if you'll believe uh-huh. it, you'll understand uh-huh. it. And you, and, you know, I, one time I was going through, I, I looked in, in probably 85% of all of the commentaries I could find on the book of Revelation, for example, said that in Revelation chapter 7, when it says there's going to be 144,000 Jews in the end times, are going to be given special responsibility. 85% said, now this is talking about the church. And I thought, well, what does God have to do to convince us? He talked about 144,000 Jews. He names them by tribes. Yes. But we spiritualize these things to death. And people love to do that because then they become God because it means anything that they want it to mean.
2: Exactly. Uh, I Frankly, I believe allegorizing the scriptures is blasphemy because you're yeah. making you yourself God and you can come up with any form of interpretation. Mm-hmm.
0: That you want. Well I would say that uh, to really understand Bible prophecy you've got to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit's going to help you to understand. You do not have to have a Ph.D. in hermeneutics, you do not have to have a vivid imagination, you do have to have childlike faith. Yes. But if you approach the Bible with childlike faith and rely on the Holy Spirit you can understand the Bible.
2: You know before I got saved I tried reading the Bible and it was like Chinese to me. I could not <laughs> understand one iota of that book. But when I got saved almost 23 years ago, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes. Well, I want to tell you, brother,
0: when you talk, you sometimes sound to me like Chinese. Or something. Yeah. I know you're not from Texas. Uh, no, I and am not And we're going to talk Texas. about that in just a moment. Where you came from, where you got that delightful accent, and how in the world you ended up, of all things, preaching and teaching Bible prophecy. Amazing. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome back to our discussion of Bible prophecy with August Rosado, founder and director of a ministry called Today in Bible Prophecy. Well, August, uh, we were talking about that delightful accent of yours, which certainly isn't a Texas accent. In fact, I I I lived in Boston uh, for three years while I was going to a Harvard graduate school, and I remember people talking to me about packing the kind hive and (laughs) yad. And so, you know, how does a guy with a Hispanic last name uh, end up in Massachusetts, and and then grow up in a non-Christian home, and end up? Of all things, teaching Bible prophecy, give us some background on you.
2: Well, Doctor Reagan, I just have to say, God is amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I remember giving my life to the Lord on April 22nd, 1988, 10:49 a.m. on a Thursday morning. I remember wow. it as if it was yesterday. And uh, so, you know, I, I come from a non-Christian home, as you said. My family was plagued with drugs, alcohol. I have—I come from a family of 14, and there's only wow. six of us left.
0: Oh, Drugs man. and alcohol oh, and killed
2: off the rest of my family. But it was on that day, April 22nd, 1988, that somebody shared with me the good news of the saving power.
0: And it just penetrated your Christ. heart. Huh? And it
2: just penetrated my heart. And my brother just died a month earlier from a drug deal gone bad. Oh. And uh, I remember walking home extremely intoxicated. And I'm not proud to say that. And uh, I remember looking up into the sky and I said, God, if you're there, show me that you're there. And the next day at work, the Lord brought an individual To me and shared with me the good news. The very next day. The very next day.
1: Ask and you shall find, right? Exactly. Exactly,
2: Nathan. And I remember Mm. that day. I just bowed my head and I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I went back home and I told Patty. We weren't married then. I said, Patty, something amazing happened to me at work. She said, You got a raise. I said, well, you could say that, yes. I go, uh, spiritual racism, what are you talking about? I said, well, I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Oh, dear. Oh. Instead of being happy, she went ballistic. <laughs> she went crazy. She wouldn't talk to me. She said, I don't want no religious fanatics in this house. And uh, the, that following evening, the guy that led me to the Lord brought the pastor over he talked with her, and Patty got saved, and my mother got saved, and my twin brother got saved. <laughs> wow. And that's Acts 1631. Well, t- really go 1631.
0: ahead and tell the story about when the pastor started talking about living with somebody you're not married to. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I remember uh, we went to a conference in Rhode Island.
2: And uh, the preacher was talking about fornication. Now, i never heard of fornication before. <laughs> I thought it was some skin disease. And uh, I've I never heard of it. And So my pastor's sitting next to me, and I said, Pastor, what's fornication? And he said, well, August, that's two people living together without a marriage license. And he goes like this, and I'm like... at my, looking at Patty. I said, Patty, that's two people living together. (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about us. I said, "Uh, we need to get married. And two weeks later, we got married because we wanted to make things right. Praise the Lord. And the Lord Lord just began to
0: work in our lives. And we just, we just. Okay. Now, at that point, you didn't even know anything about the Bible, did you? Nothing about the Bible. Okay. So Mm -hmm. what did you do? Did you start intently studying the Bible?
2: Well, actually, my pastor took me to a Jewish synagogue on Shabbat, the Sabbath. Oh. And uh, I had no idea why he was taking me to a synagogue. I said, Pastor, why are we going to a Jewish synagogue? He said, August, the Jews are God's chosen people. They're the apple of his eye. Did you know that Jesus Christ was a Jew? Well, I thought he was just a, a Gentile who was a Christian God.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I had no idea. Well, he was what Jewish. a
0: blessing to have a pastor like that.
2: Yes, because he had such a burden for the Jewish yes. people. And so he takes me to the synagogue. I remember putting on this little beanie on my head, yarmulke. <laughs> And uh, I was wondering why they were wearing these long, colorful robes, which I found out to be a talit, a prayer shawl. And uh, I remember sitting there, and he's just telling me, These are God's chosen people. The Jews are a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And the church has never replaced the Jews. And Amen. right there, the Holy Spirit just began to click inside me. Oh my. And I just had to learn more about this. Finally, I went to my very first Bible prophecy conference. And that's when they were all over the place in New England. Now, today, unfortunately, there's hardly I, any I'm Bible I was going to say, I conference. didn't
0: know they ever had a Bible prophecy conference in New England.
2: I know. Crazy. <laughs> I know. Uh, but that, this was back in 1988 now. Okay. When there were prophecy conferences everywhere. Now, they're far and few in between. But I remember the first term this guy used was the rapture. Yeah. And he explained the rapture. And as he was talking about the coming of Jesus, the tribulation period, Jesus, our blessed hope, I just felt the Holy Spirit just working in me and calling me to teach this. Wow. Every subject. Wow! And as you know, the rest is history, and uh, the Lord has just been so good to us. And that's my passion as it is yours, preaching and teaching Bible Well Now
0: prophecy. for a while you were a pastor of a church, weren't you? For five years. For five years. And during that time you continued to study. Uh, you, you got some formal training, didn't you? With
2: I did with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry.
0: Dr. Randy Showers was my teacher. Oh, wonderful uh, teacher and a great program that they have of teaching people oh, yes. the Bible and, and the importance of their Jewish heritage. Exactly. So you got some really good uh, founding. All right, now from there when did you decide to move into full-time teaching of Bible prophecy?
2: It was, I would say after I uh, was done pastoring. I, I passed the Blessed Hope uh, okay. Bible Fellowship for five years. And then I really felt the call of God to go out across the country and teach and
0: educate the Bible. But wasn't person. that sort of <laughs> frightening to just resign your job and step out in faith. It was,
2: it was. Mm. But
0: you know little as much when God is in it and when the Lord calls you to do something you just go and do okay, it. Okay so you began to go and hold meetings on Bible prophecy and during that time you met some, uh, you were invited to speak in Corpus Christi right?
2: That's correct. Where? Uh, we were in Kansas at the time. I was preaching an eight-day Bible prophecy conference. And the gentleman who was broadcasting the conference live said he was going to Corpus Christi. And if, uh, if I wanted to go and I said, well, I don't know anybody down there. He says, well, I'll tell you what. Let me go down there and talk with the pastor. And then I'll give you a call back. So finally, he calls me back and he says, the pastor wants you to come down. So we drove from Kansas all the way down to Corpus Christi, Texas, God's country. And so when I got down there, uh, the pastor just started bombarding me with questions on Bible prophecy. And then he said, Brother Rosado, would you preach for us Sunday morning on the rapture? Wow. I said, I would love to. Great. So uh, get down to People's Baptist Church in Corpus
0: and uh, preach that Sunday morning. Behind the pulpit, Brother Lester Roloff. And that was a church that was affiliated with the Roloff Ministries. With the Roloff Ministries. Tell homes. it. what are the Roloff Ministries? Well, the Roloff Ministries was founded
2: by Brother Lester Roloff some 53 years ago with the purpose of helping men and women around the country struggling with uh, drugs and alcohol and things of that sort. And uh, Brother Roloff, as you know, went home to be with the Lord in 1982 through a terrible uh, uh, plane crash. And uh, we take people from all over the country looking for help. And so when we got down there, they were actually looking for someone to
0: actually represent the homes. So, So you affiliated with them they called you to work with them. Yes. And that just opened up all kinds of doors with their uh, churches affiliated with that ministry all over the nation. All over the country. So you could go in and make a presentation about the Roloff Ministries and then hit them with Bible prophecy. That's Well that's what I told the pastor. I said, Pastor I just want to
2: let you know that my passion is Bible prophecy. And I really don't want to change that. He said, Brother Rosado we don't want you changing anything. You go out there and you teach and preach on Bible prophecy. And then, of course, just also just let them know about the roll-off home. But it's that a, never changed. It's brother. a
1: wonderful synthesis, though, of where you came from and where you are now. You could see the Lord working through oh, your life gosh, to merge all those things together in what you do.
2: It's only a God thing, Nathan. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still mind-boggled today as to what God is doing. I remember it was about eight years ago sitting in my living room, and the ministry was going nowhere. And I said, Lord, I simply just don't understand why it isn't going anywhere, but I'm just going to trust you. And then all of a sudden, look at what God has done. And I just want to give him the glory for that.
1: Every well, weekend, you're out on this on the road, on right? the road preaching. You're are a church. living example
0: yeah. of one of my favorite scriptures in all the Word of God, and that's in Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. That's an awesome verse. Isn't that something That's an awesome verse to think that, that God one? is just looking around trying to find people who have really given their heart to Him that He can support them and encourage them. And boy I tell you when you look at the history, your history you can see God's hand was upon you and He has moved you to a place where He is magnifying your voice and using you to warn people of the soon return of Jesus.
2: And I just give them all the glory for it. And it's you believe that with all
0: your heart. Isn't that your passionate message that Jesus is returning soon?
2: That is my passionate message, that Jesus Christ is indeed coming soon, and it could be today.
1: Welcome back to our interview of August Rosado, a Bible prophecy teacher and preacher and founder of the ministry called Today in Bible Prophecy. August, it's been great to be talking to you, man. Good to be with you, brother. And you just... <laughs> produced a book called The Serpent, The Seed, and The Second Coming. Can you tell us about it, what it's about, and where you got that interesting title?
2: Well, I'm really proud of this very first book, The Serpent, The Seed, and The Second Coming. It actually deals with Messianic Prophecy and Bible Prophecy, the First Coming of Jesus and, of course, His Second Coming. Satan has always tried to thwart the promises of God. When uh, man fell, uh, God gave the promise of Genesis 3.15 that he would send a Redeemer uh, that would bring fallen mankind to a holy, righteous God. Satan, knowing that, has tried to throughout the promises of God by corrupting the Messianic bloodline with the ungodly line of Cain in Genesis chapter 4, and of course in Genesis chapter 6 with the Nephilim, you know, having union with the daughters of men. And so we go throughout the whole entire uh, book of Genesis with that, going all the way to the book of Revelation, and how it will culminate at the second coming of Jesus for the greatest battle of all time between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Oh, that sounds exciting. Why don't you tell our folks then how they can get it, how they can contact your ministry. And especially what I love is your newsletter. I love getting your newsletter. I love reading it. Tell them how to get that.
2: Well, all you have to do is just go to www.todayinbibleprophecy.org. That's one word, todayinbibleprophecy.org. You can uh, sign up for our email newsletters every single week. And also you can use our PayPal button to uh, purchase the book, The Serpent, The Seed, and The Second Coming. And I hope it's a blessing to you.
1: Excellent. One other question. I look in your tie. You've got the Jewish star, David. You've got a menorah. Let's see that. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. I, every time I see you, you're wearing something Jewish. What did, why did you have such a passion for Israel?
2: I have such a burden for the Jewish people, just as Paul did, as he said in Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's my burden. I believe that's the passion of this ministry here, their burden, to see Jewish people saved. We go to mm-hmm. Israel every single year. We take Hebrew New Testament Bibles with us, and we just pass them out, out there on Ben Yehuda Street. Really? And, uh, and they it. And so my, my passion is reaching out to the Jewish people because I love the Jewish roots of my Christian faith. Psalm 122, verse 6 in the Hebrew, Shalom Yerushalayim, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the only time Jerusalem will have peace is when the Shalom, the Prince of Peace himself, comes and he reigns bodily for a thousand years. So when you Amen. pray for the
0: peace of Jerusalem, you're praying for the return of Yeshua, the Messiah. Um,
2: that's exactly right, Dave. I'm
0: praying for the return of Yeshua Well, let me ask Hamashia. you something here. Uh, uh, you're probably well aware of the fact that the vast majority of Christian denominations, both Protestant and Catholic, teach that the church has replaced the Jews and God has no purpose left for the Jewish people, that they're Christ killers, He's washed His hands of them, and that's it. What is your response to that?
2: I reject replacement theology 100%. It is not biblical, and I believe it is anti Semitic. Many of our Bible seminaries today, Dave, are teaching replacement theology. That God is done with the Jewish people. And all the promises that God made to the Jews are now null and void... And have been transferred over to the church, and so now the church is the new Israel. If you believe in replacement theology, then you better rip Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 out of your Bible. Amen. (laughs) Because as long as Romans 9, 10, and 11 are in your Bible, replacement theology is nothing more than false doctrine, and it is not substantiated here. Well, I tell you,
0: uh, Paul Mm -hmm. certainly didn't know anything about replacement theology, did he? In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, he says, God has not rejected his people, has he? The church says, yes. He says, May it never be for I to am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. There it is. There is no reason those three chapters have been the most ignored chapters in the history of Christianity.
2: And for some reason they ignore Romans chapter 11 as if it doesn't even exist in the Bible. <laughs> the replacement theology is false doctrine. I hate that doctrine. Uh, it is not substantiated in the Word of God and I think we ought to reject it 100%. God so,
0: has a great plan for the Jews in the end time, doesn't He? He sure does. In fact, He's doing it right now, gathering them from four corners of the earth. For a purpose. That's right. Since 1897, the Jews have been coming back into the land as
2: a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. If you just think that is coincidence, then you have some problems. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in God incidents. Amen? So
1: Pope Benedict then didn't have to exonerate the Jews of Jesus' death. God didn't wash the Jews out of his hands, right? There's no need for the Pope as he did recently to to forgive him. No need for that at all, exactly. What are some of the promises that God has for the Jews coming up?
2: I mean, we read from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. God has promises for the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, Nathan, in Ezekiel chapter 34, 18 times God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will bring the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth. I will bring them back into their own homeland. I will establish my covenant with them. 18 times God says, I will, because of His promises that he has for the Jewish people, they are not null, they are not void, and the church has never, ever replaced the Jewish people.
1: What about the people would argue then that them coming back from the exile in Babylon fulfills those prophecies?
2: It does fulfill the the, uh, prophecies because God promised them that they would be back to Jerusalem after that 70 year Babylonian uh, captivity. Cyrus uh, defeats the Babylonian army, they go back to Israel, they rebuild the second temple. Uh, but you know, when I read Deuteronomy chapter number 28, God said that the Jews would be dispersed to the four corners of the earth. Well, that was fulfilled in AD 70, when yes. uh, the Roman general Titus came in, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, Jews were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Even though Jesus said, because you have rejected the time of my visitation, yeah. I, because of the promises I made to Abraham and to David, you will one day be back in the land. When was that fulfilled? May the 14th of 1948. <laughs> We're here to Thus see it. a fulfillment it. of Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen, the goyim and the Hebrew, gather you out of all countries, will bring you back into your own homeland. Fulfilled, Nathan, May the 14th of 1948. That is not a coincidence. That is a God incident.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, this. Uh Thing that the church has taught for two thousand years, which has been the source of much anti-Semitism, is that the Jews were the Christ killers and the Jews were God washed His hands of them. It, that's just not what is taught in the Bible. For example, in Acts chapter uh, four, in mm-hmm. verse twenty-seven, it says that this city was gathered together against the Holy Servant Jesus and those uh, who uh, God did anoint, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles. And the people of Israel, so who murdered Jesus, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the peoples of Israel, and you and me yes, and Nathan.:
1: That's why in the Passion we all have Gibson the was blood the one. of
0: Jesus on our hands. Nail because exactly he died for right. our sins. That's one of the things that always impressed me about medieval great medieval painters, uh, when they would paint pictures of the uh, crucifixion, they would always place themselves at the foot of the cross and paint themselves in there as one of those who are nailing Jesus yes. to the cross. Because he died for the sins of all of us. That's exactly uh-huh. right, Dave.
2: And, and that when you mentioned that, Acts four twenty seven was the first verse that came to mind. All <laughs> of us were responsible for the death Absolutely. of the Lord Jesus. So just to blame it on the Jewish people, uh, again it's just it boils down to anti Semitism. Right. We were all responsible That's for the death it is. of our That's Lord.
0: What it is. Well, brother, I appreciate your passion for the Jewish people and your appreciation of our Jewish roots. And I know that's a very important part of your ministry. Would you be willing to come back next week and talk with us more about that? I would love to. All right. We'd love to have you back, man. We love people with passion. Amen. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll have you do that. And I know our viewers will be tuning back in to hear you speak some more about the Jewish people. Thank you.
1: Dr. David Reagan's book, God's Plan for the Ages, contains a comprehensive overview of all aspects of Bible prophecy. It's written in an easy to understand, down to earth style that you will find appealing. In addition to all the prophecies concerning the first and second comings of the Messiah, it deals with a host of other prophetic questions, such as what happens when you die? What will heaven be like? What's the future of the earth? Where is the United States in prophecy? When is the rapture most likely to occur? Is the Antichrist alive today? Are there signs of the times that are unique to our day and age? The book contains a variety of charts and diagrams which illustrate various aspects of Bible prophecy. The book is available for a gift of $15 or more, plus shipping. To get a copy of God's Plan for the Ages, please call 1-800-705-8316 Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time and ask for it by name or order online at lamblion.com. The book contains 42 exciting chapters about Bible prophecy and runs a total of 415 pages. Again, it can be yours for a gift of $15 or more plus shipping. Call 1-800-705-8316 today to request a copy or order online at lamblion.com. Consider ordering an extra copy for your pastor or church library. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: Well, that's our program for this week. I hope that uh, you will be back with us next week when we will have uh, August back with us again, and Nathan and I will be grilling him once again. Talking about that passion he has for Bible prophecy. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.